I want to watch it so bad. It's good. I watched it this morning. Uh, I force my wife to watch it tonight. And Rogan is like a schlubby writer who knew her growing up and becomes her speechwriter, and they fall in love, and it's oh, cute. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. It's a really, I mean, I, it's a good movie. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It might be my favorite thing of the year. Wow. No, oh. it's not. It's oh. not. It can be. It, it might be. I don't know. It can be your favorite thing. Maybe I'll call it. Maybe I'll call an audible. <laughs> maybe you're like Oprah and you have many favorite things of the year. I do have many favorite things of the year. Gather round for a journey to the dimension of imagination. This is an invitation to have our zeal for creativity supersede our predilection to stifle it, to make the inward outward, to turn on, tune in, and drop out. Welcome to the Family Den Theater. The Family Den Theater is more of a hope than an idea. A hope that people are out there seeking beauty in a normal life. That our casual daydreams can be something more than forgotten. This podcast is for those ideas, supremely human and fleeting. Each episode we will share stories and conversations, and not just our own. Our goal is to celebrate storytelling and all of its voices. Let's now go to the Family Den. difficult to narrow down speaking of which hi folks it's been a while it's been a few moons it's been several of them and we are here today uh one more holden and just another fucking matt is here with uh grant dr bob steven um and we're doing a little year-end review hi everybody (laughs) (laughs) you you can call me dr bob Dr. Bob. I feel like we're on Sesame Street and we're like bringing out our guests. <laughs> and it's like, all right, kids. Next up is our special buddy friend, Grant. I'm here to teach you about the letter L. <laughs> uh, 2019 kind of did feel that way at many points. Like Sesame Street? So, well, the letter L. <laughs> yeah. We all carried a big one, folks. <laughs> So, yeah, the goal for the time, time being is to uh, discuss 2019 and the decade. Oh, and the decade? Are we doing that, too? I might throw out some of that in oh there. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, boy. Maybe that as a juicy. Maybe as a pop fly, you know, like T-ball. <laughs> I'm an aggressive coach out there. All right, Mattis, get ready. Go get a pop fly? Is that your coach to me? Yeah, man. Does that coach speak for go do a thing? You know, did you ever play baseball? 
Yeah, but Bill hit a pop fly it was never something I was told. No, but you know, like when the coaches, you know, they're like warming up, and every Sunday he'll just hit one up, you know, toss you a pop fly, and you got to catch it. Okay, can of corn. I think that that, that kind of would have fit the, the bill a little bit. I read Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Loves like catches all that rye. <laughs> and he sure loves rye. Well, but we <laughs> we are here to definitely talk about some uh, year-end stuff, the things that we liked. Um, I don't want to talk about the things that I didn't like because there's so many other <laughs> way too many. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we thought it would be appropriate to have Grant back on. Uh, hello again, Dr. Bob. Thanks for joining us today. My I'm first happy question to be here. My my first question is. Looking back on the year, speaking of what Holden was just saying, do you feel like, did you guys have a majority of, like, when you're looking at everything you liked and disliked, were there more things that you liked, or were there more things you disliked? I don't spend a whole lot of time with things that I dislike. Mm. Um, outside of politics, and people, and friends, and... Uh, no, I'm kidding. I, really, uh, there was a lot of stuff I liked this year, and I digested it over and over and over again. Yeah. What is this thing? Pala? Politics? Pa, pa, I, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. I apologize. Is that a part of the pa, polyamorous pa, community? Pa, pa, pa. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I didn't <laughs> want to out myself on the podcast, but I guess if y'all are going to do it for me. I have 17 partners. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known. Only one of them is my favorite thing of the year. (laughs) I I don't know if there was like just a dearth of shit that I didn't like. A dearth? Yeah. That's a word. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, it's a word. Okay. I don't know if there was a bunch of shit that I just absolutely did not like, but the things that I didn't like, I liked them. I did not like them very intensely. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I also tried to focus more on the things that I did like. Um, what about for you, though? Was there a bunch of stuff this year that, that just stuck in your gums wrong? No, not really. Um, I'm probably like you guys. I really do try to just stay away from... It's because at this point, it's so easy to be bombarded with everything negative. Like, it's everywhere. There's, there are, it's not really possible to hide from the world this very well in 2019. You would have to, you know, literally move to the woods. Otherwise, you're going to just get bombarded with every moment of yeah. history yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um, so I try to constantly run from it, which means I'm always still constantly seeing it. So yeah, and but discovering new things along the way though. Yeah, it's that, been a great year of discovery. That make it worthwhile. It's been a fun. It's been you know, and I was just thinking about 2019 is going to be one of those years when you look back because I don't think it's impossible not to talk about the political state or at least just the climate of the world because of how much unrest there is. It does always tend to coincide with history that that's usually when the most profound art just kind of. Shows All, up. Always happens. Yeah, it shows up. Um, was there stuff for you that felt like, um, even maybe if it wasn't your favorite thing, kind of 
felt more of the 2019 moment. Mm. <sighs> I'm not sure off the get. I mean, I would I can go ahead and it would mean that would mean go me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lawnmower Holden over here. <laughs> um, that would mean I would have to jump straight into my favorite thing, and I don't okay. know if I'm ready yet. All right. Well, okay. Different I, ha- question. I have an answer. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I think that uh, the nihilistic pop culture of the Zoomers has been really fun to witness as a bystander. I think like pop music and stuff this year has been pretty good. Like, I think specifically of, like, Billie Eilish and stuff, that stuff I didn't spend a whole lot of time with, but it's good. Like, I I, I mean, I think it's really quality compared to a lot of stuff that we had, you know, even several years ago. Uh, Grant, I I know you're a huge fan of uh, Robin and and Honey, even though that wasn't technically 2019. I think it was late 2018. Yeah, I enjoyed Robin. Uh, My Ben is, Ben's a big fan of it. Uh, But, yeah, I I did like it. it. It's good. Uh I think that there's a lot of good stuff that typically I wouldn't have listened to. Top 40, even, that was right. really quality this year. And it's usually stuff that I kind of stray away from. What else uh, besides, like, Billie Eilish? Um, like, The Baby is really good. Uh, a lot yeah. of a, a lot of really good rap stuff. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion's really good. Uh, there, there was just a lot of popular things this year that typically I kind of shun, but... Um, it was a good year for it, I thought. Yeah, I think it's really interesting framing um, some of the the people that are in their early 20s, late teens right now, uh, the way that they're expressing themselves through art being uh, more dark um, than the expressions of pop, I think, when we were that age. I agree. I think I'll never, I'll actually probably never forget uh, listening to Billie Eilish's album for the first time when it dropped. I think it was, think it was just Bad Guys or maybe, it was, yeah, because I think it opens with Bad Guys. And uh, pretty much the moment it started, I was like, this is something different. And it also sounds exactly like right now. Like it, it, it perfectly captured just the broken industrial almost dubbed but almost still like lord and yeah just mm-hmm. her, the way her vocals just kind of drip and everything about it is just so 2019 and it was really cool to hear that and be like there it is that's the that's the sound that everyone's been trying to get to and this fucking 17 year old kid just did it um and yeah just like as far as like top 40 pop icon moments i think billy eilish has definitely taken taken the cake for just representing how we all how the teens feel the, the teens are good. Uh, the teens, even on the internet, are very good. I mean, I know it's beaten to death at this point, but the OK Boomer craze, I think, is hysterical. Yeah, and I, that all that all kind of falls in line with itself. I think uh, they're. I, I don't. I think typically generations kind of hate the generations above and below them, but I, yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, I like what these kids are doing. Keep them around. I'm I'm worried about them, but I like them. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that we, the what I think about is, this is you know the millennial generation is called the generation that grew up with the internet, but that's not really true. This 
generation, the Zoomers generation, they actually did grow up with the internet. And I think that we have gotten to see a more, what a more pop culturally wise group of young people looks like. You know, this group of people actually got to go back and listen to, you know, um, shit from 30 years ago when they were six versus when they were 13. Yeah. And I think that their knowledge of their chosen knowledge of some of the things that they have clearly uh, latched onto um, has really benefited them. You got to think they were handed a digital encyclopedia at the age of like three. Exactly. Exactly. And I had we merely adopted the internet. Yeah, they were born. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I I often say that uh, kids, millennials, elder millennials like us, we I think we experienced the last childhood. Yeah. Or the last I don't know what the uh, the last starfighter. (laughs) The uh, the last erasable childhood at least. Wow, there it is. That's a good a disposable childhood in a way. Now everything that they do is recorded forever, which is something that we'll never experience. Thank God. For real. One of my favorite things I've been seeing is that when our generation is in the retirement homes, it's just going to be the office on repeat with Super Smash Brothers. (laughs) 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 Throw me in in there right now. Dude, millennials are gonna millennials are gonna like go into retirement homes at like forty five. You're like, you know what? It's gonna be this mass thing. We're like, I don't know. All the millennials are just giving up. They're really just gonna be labor camps because none of us will be able to afford the retirement homes. Yeah, that's true. Like, but is the do you have Super Smash Brothers? Uh, yeah, no, I'm down. But sign me up, seriously. I'll I'll wear a gray one piece like suit like you know prison outfit every day i don't care throw me in there for six hours of breath of the wild and i should be good yeah i i do think that (coughs) these things that we're talking about these are very of 2019 moments right that they're very they feel very specific to this year and things that have been going on are both of your things of 2019 your favorite things would you say that they feel very of 2019 or are they more outside of the 2019 bubble i think mine definitely does um i i think it does feel 2019 but i also think it could have been it also could have been early 2000s um and i think it kind of my favorite thing actually kind of was also accomplished in the early 2000s without spoiling anything but it still feels pretty 2019. Now I'm curious. Holton, what about you? Oh. Who lives in a pond? Sorry. <laughs> I think, Stage training. I think that my favorite thing is very 2019. But yes, no, it's very 2019. It's like so 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, you you've made me very curious. Are we, are we gonna force it out of him? Are we about to waterboard him? I don't know. Water boredom. <laughs> Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Water boredom. <laughs> what? It's a, it sounds like water boredom. Yeah. <laughs> gonna waterboard myself with a hopadillo here, and then I'll answer the question. Um, here we go. Holton, not Holton. Grant, 
what is your favorite thing of 2019? My favorite thing from 2019 is a streaming TV show on Netflix that I've watched. I don't have the Spotify year-end wrap-up of my Netflix, but I assume this would be number one. And it is I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Are y'all familiar with this? Have I saw the it? first episode and I yeah. loved it, but it really wasn't my wife's thing, and I yeah. kind of forgot about same. it until right now. I that is very much Grant. That is the same boat that I am in. I watched it on my own some, but Lauren can't quite get on the same page. It's a very particular brand of humor. It I, is. I've heard interviews weird. with him. Yeah, I've listened to a few different interviews with him. So yeah, but yeah. no, tell, tell. Um. I legitimately think it might be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's a sketch comedy show. It's uh, Tim Robinson, and I forget the name of the other creator, Kanan or something. Uh, but it's a bunch of sketches where Tim Robinson is either, or not, not only Tim Robinson, but somebody is either stuck in a lie or a bad situation, and they keep trying to dig themselves out of it but they keep going deeper and deeper into it um it's kind of the theme of the show it's just somebody not able to give up that they are the wrong in the situation they are the asshole and it hits so many hilarious weird mood notes like it'll go from it'll, it'll go from being a real whimsical to a real uh melancholy but there's not really any real reason for it it the the sketch will stay consistent but they throw all these different like mood musics and it's just absurd i mean it's it's chaos in a show um but it's also it all works it's genius it's it's kind of a difficult thing to wax philosophical about because it is incredibly stupid um but it is it's it just works on basically every level. Each sketch that comes up, I'm excited to watch again. And it's only like eight episodes, and I crushed it the first night I started watching it. I finished all of it. And then I finished all of it over and over and over and over again um, to the point where I can like sing the songs that they sing in the show. And it's been kind of a problem for me because <laughs> I make people watch it. Like anytime I have like somebody like there's a party at the house and people are staying over, I have to turn it on. It, it's a uh, it's a real addiction. So, but there they, was I mean, they're like eighteen minutes or twenty minutes or something. Yeah, like it's that. it's yeah. real short. I mean, you can breathe right through it, um, which is also very 2019. Um, a lot of my other favorite things from 2019 are that same way. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I I've also. I don't know near as much about the show. I don't have that same devotion, obviously. But the for those out there, I'm the, trying to find an analog to it. I feel like that it's basically the steamed hams bit from The Simpsons just made into a whole show. So uh, where the principal basically can't stop lying to the superintendent and his house is on fire. And it's like, oh, everything's fine. So it's like that kind of for 20 minutes, right? Yes, it, it, it's got it's got the it's got the randomness and the chaos of like Mr. Show, which is why I mentioned early two thousands. Um, it's it's got I mean it's a sketch comedy show. So Dude, even even his face is kind of early two thousands. Like 
I feel like he has like the face. He's kind of an early dude. He's he's kind of an early two thousands guy. He was on yeah. SNL as a writer, uh, not for very long. Yeah, um, but well, yeah, yeah, he, he's not. He's been around like he's a guy that you know, like then you recognize. But uh, the show is genius. I mean, his other show, uh, Detroiters, is also very good, but it's a little yeah. bit more. It's a cohesive narrative, more or less. Um, I've heard. I've heard. I remember hearing like whiffs and rumors of Detroiters, Detroiter, Detroiter, Detroiters. Um, I think it was like even NPR even like gave them a shout out pretty early on, and then I believe it got canceled after season two. Yes. Um, it, it's a really quality show too, but it's not on the same level as I think you should leave. I mean, I think you should leave should be required for anybody twenty to thirty five. We should all watch it. We should be forced to watch it. I will probably be, I'm so, yeah, I would, I'm almost mad because I'm like, shit, I would have watched it last night because <laughs> like I couldn't find out what I wanted to watch and I've actually been thinking about that show and yeah, I'm, I'm going, I will probably have it finished before the end of the weekend, to be honest with you. You could I'm, probably like, crush it before yeah. lunch, <laughs> <laughs> so, which, which is also, it's very 2019 that you can just breeze through something like that. I mean, oh, we were talking sure. about disposable earlier. It's. It's not meant to, you know, I'm watching Watchmen right now, which is another show that I've contemplated putting as my favorite thing of the year mm-hmm. and having to wait every week for an hour. And I'm on Reddit reading theories. And that was, it's um, like actually, earlier when Holton asked about, is there anything 2019? I actually kind of thought about mentioning Watchmen because I'm also almost caught up. And yeah, talk about a show that just feels extremely 2019. Like it, I don't think it would have worked any other year except for literally right now. It's perfect for right now. Man, that, that show's perfect for everything. Uh, that that was that was my one of my close follow ups uh, or runner ups for favorites. But yeah, no, there's there's just something so nice, especially whenever you know we were talking about the bombardment of everything that's being it's so heavy and you know all of the. Irony, political podcasts, and the 24-hour news cycle, and Trump tweeting a photo of himself as Rocky and making me think that maybe I actually was living a dream and was going to wake up in 2016. It's nice to be able to watch a show and just be able to totally turn my brain off and just gut laugh for two and a half hours and just crush the season. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. That's very, very excellent. So, I've, since you have more, we will we'll come back. We'll come back to you. Whom? The the grantors in that situation. Yes. You still have you still have more favorite things, right? Or or is that I've, your number? That's number I've, I've got a lot of favorite things. There, there's I, I felt kind of bad choosing. I think you should leave because there's just not a whole lot to talk about with it. No, uh, I think it's a good choice though, because because if, if you feel strongly about it should if you feel like it should be your number one because you want other people to watch it like so I think that I think it's a great answer because it's something that it's not gonna be like everyone's gonna be like oh yeah I totally love that too it's like oh yeah, a, yeah like it's gonna it's a good plug for it uh, I'll buy some more credibility whenever we start listing our runner ups it's so people can trust me but I highly recommend if you like this podcast I you were going to like I think you should leave. So, 
do we thumb wrestle? Who goes? Yes. Uh, you go, I go. Who goes? You, I will go. Okay. My favorite thing of 2019, without a doubt in my soul grapes, <laughs> the grapes of my very soul, is Tyler the Creator's Igor. Ooh. I like there was that. No, there was no question. Um, even like I, so yeah, for my Spotify year in wrap up, it said that I listened to Tyler the Creator for 84 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Which even which I saw it and I was like that's a little low. Like I was like I was like I think it's missing a lot of YouTube plays. And I was like I think it was actually probably more than that. So for something that I spent uh, almost four days of my entire year listening to, um, I have to give it to him. And he 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 had my number one song of the year, which was Earthquake. And Grant, I like that you were talking about with uh, you should leave being that it became a problem for you because this was one another thing for my 2019 that this album was a was a problem for me because i couldn't i couldn't stop singing earthquake <laughs> <laughs> it was constant it was my number one song of the year i wish it would tell me how many times i listened to it but it had to have been in the, the yeah i have no idea how many times um and but it's also something that when you that question you asked i think it's a very 2019 album it's uh I think when we look back on, you know, the decade a bit, we have to look back and think of all the icons we've lost pop-wise, you know, from Bowie to Prince to, I'm sure there's more that I just can't think of right now, but to watch this kid who's just a year or two younger than us go from skater punk, shithead, you know, troll, and like getting banned from England to now rising and watching him become, I, I think will, if he's not already, will become a pop icon. Uh, just his style, the way he, I was thinking about him the other day and I'm like, he's one of those artists that he's not making music that he thinks people want to hear. He's making literally what's happening in his mind and he has to get it out. And I think there's a lot of like, when you think about Bowie or any of those other guys, I think that's really how they wrote. It wasn't like, there's nothing wrong with a more technical songwriter who's like, this is, you know, this is really cool. Let's let's kind of make this work. Tyler's like, it's Beethoven, like, you know, can't like, like he can't hear, and he's like writing out the melodies that, that's happening in his mind. Like, I think, I think Igor was just a masterpiece of sound and sonics and images, and and also just defying toxic masculinity. Him coming out of the closet on Flower Boy. And then quickly just becoming something more. And he's not, it's just so defiant, but now it's beautiful kind of thing. Um, so it's just really been so cool to to watch a kid. I remember being 19 years old in my parents' home for Christmas, listening to Bastard yeah. and being like, this is so cool. Yeah. And like, and then now I'm, I'm 30 and he's changed, you know, like, he's you know he's still he's been with me the whole time so it's just yeah. it's really amazing and so i have to give it to him because flower boy just ruined me and then igor dropped quickly after that for me as far as when i got into it and yeah so kudos to tyler all the love in the world indeed indeed i think yep. uh 
I think Tyler is a pretty interesting, especially going back to our generational conversation, because Tyler is a Tyler is like one of the last of the millennials, right? I mean, he was born what ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, he's he's literally only I think he, yeah he's ninety ninety one. He's just a year or two younger than us. Um, but he kind of seems like, especially back whenever they were doing the uh, Odd Future stuff, I kind of feel like they were in a way almost forebears for the nihilism of the Zoomer generation. And to see him go from that to being incredibly earnest and um, making just genuinely just beautiful music uh, that's pretty free from irony is uh, – I think that there's something to be said there about literally being a, like a genera- generational shift um, that was incredibly influential, I think. I definitely agree, and I I think, you know, for me, when I think about Tyler, I feel like that he always has made music out of his passion and out of his desire, and I think now, because he's made music for as long as he has, he's found a way that as he's continued to grow up, or his complication on his production for his music can match his ideas. Right. You know, he's at a, he, Igor is almost a genreless album. Absolutely. It is as close to genreless as we can get right now. And I think that that sort of scope on a project is that's what I identify with Bowie and Prince, Mm -hmm. these very singular figures that could make one album be a movement right but because of the way that they understood a picture larger than the ones that we can see yeah so yeah he wrote he yeah he wrecked my he wrecked my year it's a great album i love that album it's just constant like, yeah and i was just driving everyone crazy constantly singing earthquake it's a fantastic album and um that is my number one, and I'm sure I have a few runner-ups. But now, Lawnmower Holton is mm. finishing up Cutting in the Grass. Uh, yep. So I I, I kind of want to go around again a, a little bit. Um, so I'm going to say one thing that I wouldn't say this is my favorite, favorite thing of 2019, but something that I will remember most distinctly about 2019, um, and some of it kind of hasn't happened yet, is... Um, this to me is like the, this is the year when everyone has been talking about Star Wars. This year has ended like Baby Yoda's like the fucking biggest thing somehow, somehow, some way. Uh, it has defied all logic to me. Um, selfishly as a person who like really likes Star Wars, I'm super happy that people are like starting to watch um, Star Wars Rebels, and a lot of people have watched Clone Wars now as well, and that's super cool to me because there's a lot of neat like lore stuff in there and really super nerdy Star Wars stuff. But that really folds into me thinking about what I will remember about 2019 as a year the most in terms of pop culture is recent nostalgia. 2019 for me is the year of recent nostalgia and I have very mixed feelings about all of it. I play a part in some of it, obviously. Um, but that's what I feel like is the cultural imprint on 2019 is recent nostalgia. 
do you feel like season three of uh, Stranger Things just drove that home absolutely. to a absolutely just a cacophony of yes uh, yeah yeah yes absolutely God but Billy is so gorgeous. <laughs> 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 yeah i just this year and it's started to happen more really within the past couple of years but i do feel like the chorus of recent nostalgia is louder than ever but why do you do you think it's what what do you think the uh where do you think that desire is coming from i, I think some of it it's, it's this weird to me confluence of circumstances where it feels like some of it is from the zoomers and some of it is from uh, people around our age, and then some of them are um, boomers as well. Right. It's like everyone seems to be interested in recent nostalgia. Right. I don't even think that's the weird thing, is it's really not. I don't think it's one particular generation of people that's driving it. I think everyone is contributing to the recent nostalgia craze. So that's very interesting. For whatever that's worth, it's a very oddly unifying thing. How would you define recent nostalgia? Like, how far back do we have to go for it to be recent? I think that if it is from basically 1985 to 2005, that is recent nostalgia to me. So here's a question. Um, sure. In that case, we've got a bunch of comedians now that are returning. Um oh. You've got Chris Rock remaking Saw. You've got um, Adam Sandler is getting a garbage amount of buzz for the new Safdie Brothers movie, Uncut Gems. And you've got Ray Romano in The Irishman just being just incredible in it. Um, do you think that we have nostalgia for these people that have returned to our lives? Do you think that that plays in? Eddie Murphy doing Dolomite is my my name. Is yeah. that kind? Of, are, does that kind of Does that kind of get looped in with that a little bit? Do you think? Hundred percent. And I think for for me, what I think about when you're kind of talking about that, the way we view people through that same nostalgic lens, is flashing back to um, watching an episode of Comedians in Cars. Getting Coffee, I can never pronounce the name of the damn title. That is correct. It drives me insane. But where Jerry has on Bernie Mac, and Bernie Mac is wearing a Muhammad Ali shirt, and Jerry spends like three minutes talking about Muhammad Ali, mm -hmm. and basically talking about they don't make people like this anymore. That there was a level of icon that um, Jerry felt like the world was missing. And to me, if I extrapolate that out of like, okay, who are smaller people than Jerry? Who would we be missing, right? It's these these people like Ray Romano. Like, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I definitely think that that plays a part. I think that um, we still prize greatness, whatever that means as a society. And I think when we look back, we can define greatness a lot more easily. And I think that that's part of why these people are a part of that recent nostalgic wave. That's really interesting, though. I, I didn't think about it like that. Do you think it also just comes from a place of the world feeling so connected and complicated right now that 1993 in its own way was more simple and at least more straightforward? Or at least we 
have built that image of it in our mind and that's why we want we're so fascinated with it because it just makes more sense than what we're seeing now i mean uh, other than like talking about parallels of like the gulf war and like what's going on right now in the middle east like i i think there are there are plenty of through lines yeah that i do think make us feel connected to that time but you're right mm. you're very i mean i think you are yeah i don't know but yeah, recently, all, yeah, I don't know. That also kind of brings to mind the year that Keanu Reeves said. Um, Holy with, crap. Good point. With uh, obviously John Wick 3 coming out, the the news about Matrix 4, yeah. um, him playing him playing himself in the Ali Wong Did you Netflix see that rom-com. It's, dude, he is incredible in that. Like, yeah, I like I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I feel like for a little bit we were about to reach uh, Keanu Reeves' oversaturation, but I feel like he played it really well. We did. Um, reach. I think when he was in the, like, he got so involved with the Cyberpunk 2077 game that to me I was like, this is too much. Like, he's already done Johnny Mnemonic and The Matrix. Like, we don't need him for Cyberpunk. It's okay. We don't need him there. Anyways, continue. Well, I, think- I would... I- I would argue the person – oh, sorry. Go for it. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. I was just going to say uh, as a parallel, somebody that we did reach oversaturation for what? and is also a recency uh, yeah. nostalgia is Jeff Goldblum. Yes. We, we have enough. We've over-enabled Jeff Goldblum to be yes. himself, and, and yes. we, need to, we need to stop it. We, we need to cut him down. He's a beautiful human, I'm sure, but that show is like watching an alien experience Earth who no longer feels like he needs to hide that he's an alien, and it is unsettling to watch. I just I just had this like flashing this, this bit of, of Jeff Goldblum just walking into a subway and walking behind the counter and just making himself a sandwich and like smooth-talking everybody and then just leaving. So wait, it's... Is Jeff Goldblum Greg the Alien? Did he out Greg the Alien us? You remember he, when we dated Greg legitimate, the Legitimately alien? might have. Oh, yeah. He might be Greg the Alien. Yeah, no, go ahead. He, he's he's too much. Uh, the, the Disney Plus show, I watch every episode that comes out, and it just, like, irks me <laughs> to my core. Like, I hope... He, I, I hope people enjoy it. Like, I really do. Like, I, I, I think that it's a fascinating show. But we've given him too much power. We've told him he can be anything he wants to be too much. Um, do you think it was Thor Ragnarok? I think that was like the I – I mean, after Thor Ragnarok, I don't know. For him, I was like, oh, God, he's just going to do whatever he wants now. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, and I love Thor Ragnarok, and I love I him in Thor Ragnarok. But there's but no semblance of a character. It's just Jeff Goldblum. And the videos of him doing his free jazz <laughs> piano on, like, The Tonight Show – like yes. it's that just so extra. It's just too much. It Jeff so Goldblum, extra. if you're listening to the podcast, first of all, please come on the podcast. <laughs> Second of all, quit. Be human. You're making us all uncomfortable. <laughs> More importantly, you're making us look bad. <laughs> that, that's probably what it really is. You it's make us look bad. Incredible jealousy. Yeah, you make us look bad. It's weird. We don't like it. Don't stop pretending like you're this like different species. It makes us all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm, that's that's interesting. Hmm, hmm, 
It's like, like he's like it's, like he, it's like he learned how to speak English through like a British speak and say. Yeah. Like he was just like pushing phrases of buttons. That's interesting. That's interesting. There, yeah. there is an episode of that show where he goes to the Nike like headquarters of innovation or whatever, and they're having him run and step on this plate so that they can make a shoe custom for him. And it keeps showing him run. And it, it, it looks like somebody is doing like a sobriety test on him, but they told him that he has to do it as quickly as possible. And like, it's basically like shoulder over shoulder over shoulder as he like prances. And he's, I mean, he's what, like in his mid 60s? Like, it, I, I guess so. You think he's he, like, yes, that's how humans run, right, guys? That looks normal. Yes, Jeff, yes. It's it's not even like somebody trying to pretend like they're running normal. It's someone that has realized that they no longer have to pretend to be human. Wow. And that's just how he naturally runs. So it's the Tom anyway. Cruise run. Uh, it's like Tom, it's like Tom, like Tom Cruise running on stilts. <laughs> Which I'm sure he could probably do. He could probably do. He probably looks gorgeous doing it, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way we could see him run over a tall a stack of newspapers. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm not that short. <laughs> oh man. Well, we, great answer. We definitely did get enough of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Jeff. Uh, I he can he can stay as one of the first cool nerds in modern cinema. That's fine. I'm okay with that being the case. Yeah, he's fine. We'll leave him there. But other than that, you're right. He's too, too much. Yeah. Matt, did you have an, like a smaller favorite thing before I go probably hog wild on mine? I think I would be remiss without giving a shout out to season three of Big Mouth. Hey. Ooh. I, think, I think Big Mouth is probably one of my most favorite things I've seen Maybe, like, it's probably, like, yeah, it, it just, it, I, I've just never seen a show quite like it. My wife and I, we have watched it so many times, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's just infiltrated every, the way we communicate with each other. Um, <laughs> and so, I yeah. Have a, yeah. I have a question about Big Mouth for you. Yes. Is Big Mouth for preteens? No. Man, I go back and forth. I mean, um, I love Big Mouth. I think it's hilarious, but I feel like it's like a sexual education show. I really do. Here's how I think about Big Mouth. I say, on paper, I'd be like, no, of course they shouldn't watch it. But deep down, I'd be like, dude, if you're 13, 14, 15, I'm like, dude, just watch it when your parents are asleep or something, man. Like, we right. all did it. Just, yes, you should be watching it. Like, it's going to be a lot, and maybe over your head but there is going to be i think for the right kid i think and i think it would be case by case there might be kids out there that are like no way you probably shouldn't but i think like you know somewhat woke 13 year old should probably definitely watch it it may help them out a lot but that's just my opinion and i could totally see arguments I, otherwise for me i think there's a difference between is it for them or is it not it's like are the benefits that they are getting from watching the show preteens the original intent and who it was made for. No. Unequivocally, no. Is it good that they are understanding some things about their body because of watching the show? Unequivocally, yes. Yeah. 
See, I'm not I'm not so certain that I agree with that it's an unequivocal no. I it I I think it really kind of feels like like being in a health class in middle school except for you've got characters that are in relationships with their pillows. Like <laughs> it's well, very it's very difficult for me to to place but it it seems like there are so many episodes that are literally the purpose of them is educational. And well, nobody our age needs that, or no, I shouldn't say nobody. Oh, oh, the majority of people our age aren't needing that sort of education. Okay, if that so, makes sense. No, it it a hundred percent makes sense. And my opinion is coming from listening to Nick Kroll talk about the show, mm. and he said on the Simmons podcast <laughs> that the the first purpose is for the show to be funny. <laughs> that that is the that is the intent of the show is to be funny and to tell jokes. And the secondary purpose of the show is the one that we're talking about now. And I I totally, I completely agree with the fact that there is a lot of it that does, you're 100% right, it seems like you're in a health class sometimes. But in I- In a good way. I mean, I'm way. not, that's not a dig on it. Yeah. Oh, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I could. I just think the point is to make is to make people who are older laugh, and I think they're so good at the secondary point that it sometimes overshadows the first point. Yeah, that, would, that's probably true. I can agree I, with that. I would like for these pre maybe when they hit 15, 16, 17 to maybe get into it. That would probably be. I would. It's just. A, I, I I'm gonna lean a little bit more with Grant because I would have loved to have had this show when I was. 15 or 16 i think it would have very much like helped me feel more normal sure so and we didn't really have that because everything that was like somewhat like maybe we shouldn't be watching would be like the south simpsons park. or south park yeah. or i guess freaks and geeks came out when we were late middle school uh, and that is a show mm-hmm. that definitely helped yeah helped formed me yeah. yeah in that time even though it's a little older than them but still yeah so did you have a favorite episode because I'm actually familiar enough with Big Mouth to be able to, to say. Yeah, I think the culmination of season two, it may actually not be the last episode, maybe the second to last episode, just the Shame Wizard episode when they're all at the sleepover. Yeah. And um, everything kind of comes to a head. And I, <laughs> it's just so profound. And honestly, I even kind of, um, the first time that, the main, the girl character, Jesse. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah Jesse. The Depression Kitty. Uh, that yeah. one actually, that actually kind of hit really, that hit pretty hard home for me. And seeing it represented that way and at that age, I actually had a little bit more of, a, of an emotional reaction once I realized what was happening with her. Um, and just the imagery of her locked in that room and the kids desperately trying to get her out and uh, and like you know the depression kitty pulling her back in no you're safe no you're stay stay yeah. here everything's safe yeah. here um i think is very beautiful and overwhelming and then on top of that the fact that coach steve can't be shamed is probably one of my favorite things <laughs> at the time and i often i often often call people shane lizard all the time my best friend mr shane lizard <laughs> Oh, it's mostly started with my father. <laughs> uh, Grant, do you have? Uh, you are a Big Mouth fan. Do you have a favorite episode? 
Um, so I'll come clean. I haven't watched the newest season. Okay. Uh, I, I need to watch the newest season. Uh, but the one that comes to my mind is, um, I believe season two, when Jesse and her friend get taken to the spa, and it's oh, about okay. it's yeah. about like female. Uh, yeah. I, I I can't I can't yeah. even just, like really get into this and do it any justice. I, I probably will just be offensive trying to figure it out. But the whole <laughs> the the wholesomeness of the being comfortable with your body, especially for kids that age, yeah, it's got to. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a teenage girl, but based on anything I've ever been told about it, like I found that pretty pretty moving, and just the execution of it with like the musical number and stuff is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's just bizarre to me that something so gross and uh potty humor is also simultaneously so wholesome uh i I don't i just i just respect the hell out of it yeah i do too i mean you have a bi character you have an you know the whole well i don't want to spoil season three yeah no it doesn't matter i i you're not going to spoil the show for me it'll be fine well i this won't be spoiling anything for you but my favorite episode of all time was in season three and they they do a Duke Ellington uh, losing his virginity episode. Um, and yeah, uh, that, I very much enjoy that. But um, that's a really good one. Big Mouth. Yep. Very good 2019 for Big Mouth. All time? Uh, so I did I did the recent nostalgia. Grant, do you have another favorite thing from this year that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I've, I've got a little bit more uh, run-of-the-mill one. Um okay. And it's uh it's Fleabag season two. Hey, all right. Have y'all watched Fleabag? Yes. Some I've watched some of the first uh, season. I might uh, I might be an episode or two shy of finishing season two, but I or maybe we yeah I've seen it though quite familiar. Season two is one of the most incredible seasons of TV I think I've ever watched. Uh, it. I, it's difficult to come up with like what I want to say about it because I want to say everything about it. Um, they go into, they have a really fascinating convention with how they do the fourth wall breaks. Um, that was something that once I saw it, I was like, Oh, I wish I had come up with that idea because it makes so much sense. And they did it in a way where they connected two characters that could see each other at a level that other people can't see them at. And it just using a television device like that, that we've just been inundated with over the past decade and a half and using it actually to benefit the character development was something that was just so unique to me and powerful and funny um it, it's i i think it's just flawless television like uh i would be remiss not to mention it because i've watched that now a few times and it's just next to level writing you know it's not really it's not really a full season of tv it's more of a mini series but another show that you can crush in two and a half hours yeah but it's it's perfect i mean and the depiction 
God, it's so good. It's so good. That's that's kind of the perfect assessment of it. it. Yeah. So should there be a different category of television that shows like that go in versus like Hawaii Five O on CBS? You mean the uh, the the format of the episodes, like well, like like miniseries? Yeah, I'm I'm also just thinking like we're getting to a point where more and more and more the best television is just playing a different sport than the rest of television. And I kind of don't know how to judge the rest of television anymore, if that makes sense. I mean, for me, I've always broken it down into even like the Pulp Fiction verse. It's like Moby Dick was on the sh- was on shelves at the same time that like Penny novels are were or they were called Penny Dreadfuls or you know Pulp Fiction is where that come from just more plug and play formula. I I love I have a very very soft spot for quote unquote trash TV and you know the, whatever is considered the most renowned as well. I try to really play ball and see the work and and uh, you know in the production in both. So I don't really compare them. I, they are separate now. How to differentiate or like how to classify them? I don't really know. I've never really thought about it that way. To me, I just call it trash and not trash. But yeah. I love both of them dearly. Well, yeah, it's like when I think about the <clears throat> the Academy Awards, where we have one Best Picture, yeah. but you know, movies now are generally they are playing two different sports. Yeah. We have the small independent films that are made for generally less than forty or fifty million dollars, and then we have everything else that's uh, usually you know one hundred and fifty or two hundred million and up, and I I don't know. I mean, it's great as consumers in right. a way, right? Because we can have our cake and eat it too. Yeah. But as someone who's, if you're trying to think about it from the historical perspective, I feel like I'm missing out. I'm going to be missing out on one side or the other. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's, there's, enough- there's so much good stuff out right now is what are, where I'm really getting at. Go ahead, Grant. There's another show that I have a deep affection for that kind of toes the line between the two, um, and that's The Good Place. Oh, are y'all man. are y'all uh, caught up on that or watching that? Holy forking shirt balls! I love that show so much. Uh, yeah, I'm they, not completely caught up, but I think we're just an episode or two behind. They that show dances the line between eyebrow depth, and, depth than... and prestigiousness and low budget sitcom. Well, it shouldn't exist. It doesn't make sense. The, the, the show should have never been made. It's aud- right. audacious. It's audacious in its in its mere existence. So I, I, yeah. the, the the philosophy lesson based every episode. I, I it's just again I think that's that, a show that only can exist right now. It's your medicine with your spoonful of sugar, and I think that that's kind of an example of a show that maybe toes the line between. It's not trash. I mean, it's not like The Bachelorette, that's, but no, no. um. But it isn't prestigious television either, uh, which I really uh, – that was another thing that I wanted to mention was how, just how solid that show is ending. and. Yeah. Uh, so when when does Michael Schur get to the point where he is prestige television, though? I don't know if he has any – I mean, I, I don't know if he does. Uh, the shows that he have has on right now are all – all incredible, and every show he's ever done that I know of has been incredible. Brooklyn Nine Nine is incredible. Uh, yeah. Brooklyn Nine Nine is the best, like I think, the best sitcom on TV right now. Because I, I mean, I guess Good Place is technically a sitcom, but 
the way Brooklyn Nine-Nine is structured is a bit more iconic sitcom. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's the best sitcom on TV right now. That also kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier of, you know, the heft of the outside world and using TV as an escapism. I, I think we want people like Mike Schur developing shows and writer rooms that are easy to watch and easy to unplug from, but also just aren't inundating our brain with, you know, opiates to ignore yeah. things, right? Yeah. Um, and so he can do whatever he wants, but I really appreciate him being able to make the best of both of those worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good example. On that note, Holton, do you want to take us out in conclusion? Sure. Final your 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 Sure. Sermon. So so uh for those of you that, that know me, aka everyone, um AKA, I cannot read. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, it won't be any surprise to you that my favorite thing from this year is King Gizzard's uh, Infest the Rat's Nest. That mm. is my, my favorite thing of 2019. Um, and as a bit of further kind of news or insight, really, it's not news. Um, this has the potential for me to be my favorite album of all time. It has everything uh, that I have been interested in over the past really decade plus and most of my life kind of condensed into one thing. Um, and it's open-ended in a way where it doesn't necessarily spoon feed you where it's going. Uh, despite being very clear in its message and intent. And um, yeah, I just, I love the album. And um, that was definitely my favorite thing of 2019. Can we talk a little bit about the crowds at the shows? Because I know, I know, did you both go to the show in Asheville? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Holton and I were both at the Asheville show, which was the day before your show in Dallas, correct? It was pretty close to it. Uh, it was within a week, I believe. Um, I was old, late 20s, almost 30 me, decided I, I, I had imbibed enough that I felt comfortable getting up in the mosh pit. For, uh, they, play, they played Superbug, so I went. I got up there. And, you know, it's, it's chaotic in there, but everybody in that crowd was just the friendliest yeah. people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember I, yeah. I, I elbowed a dude in the back of the head on accident just trying to stay out of people's way, and I apologized to him, and he turned around and was like – I think he literally said, hey, man, we're all in this together, dude. We're all good. And I was just like, you know what? I, I like young people. <laughs> well, it's that, that definitely lends to my opinion that they are the new Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah. They are the new Grateful Dead. This is what the Grateful Dead looks like in our generation. Yeah. And I, you know, selfishly also this, I am quite the King Gizzard fan and, you know, I follow them pretty closely. And uh, this was weirdly something that if you kind of had charted uh, the way that King Gizzard makes albums and the direction that they were going, this seemed like the next logical step. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say for a band uh, that, was a psychedelic rock band to make a basically an 80s thrash album yeah 
um, was super cool. Um, but the album just has all the the themes of sci-fi that I'm currently kind of interested in and really how I'm plugged in. And it's kind of a different take on things. And um, I felt like that they, King Gizzard, for, for those of you that, you know, don't know, it's 15 albums in 10 years. Um, and I think, you know, they probably covered somewhere between four and five different genres. Yep. <clears throat> and this most recent kind of iteration showed a level of musicianship and care and dedication that I think puts them in the stratosphere of some of these lauded bands that yeah. we talk about. I mean, the they're... They became something different. Yeah, them. yeah. Their willingness to experiment and take chances, uh, not only in the, the narratives of the story, but in the way that they make music and the way and the music itself um, just super duper impressed me. So Infest the Rat's Nest, it's out there, digest it. It's one of those, hey, again, you can do it in 38 minutes. Yep. You're in and out. So it's not a big commitment. Um, and for those of you who haven't done, please do so. It's also another good example of a spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down. There's uh, a lot of medicine there. The uh, the themes of, you know, obviously the environmentalism and the, the, the classism, like there's a lot in there that's very 2019. Very and it's so. just done so digestibly and fun and like borderline joyful in a way uh yeah it's done with such passion and intensity the catharsis of it is very real it is and i i think that you know one thing that i continue to wonder um as they keep building these this whole big narrative out is um you know, what comes next for them? They only released two albums this year, which for them is, is kind of a small amount. Um, but I'm... I have no idea. I'm fascinated, you know? That's the other thing is somehow with 15 albums, I'm only... I'm not close to being satiated yet. No. And I don't really... I don't feel that way about any other artist that I listen to right now. I've never felt this way probably about any band the way I feel about Gizzard at least, yeah, so. And, yeah, I had a super hard time when we were talking about whether this was a 2019 album or whether it wasn't. Right. I had a really hard time uh, thinking about whether this was a part of 2019 or part of something else. Yeah. But, I mean, the themes, like Grant was saying, are very 2019. Yep. Uh, and also its intent of kind of recent nostalgia in a way is also kind of oddly 2019 and it's, it's basically Greta Thunberg's Thunberg's dreams <laughs> what's her name yeah that's yeah Greta Thunberg, Thunberg. Yeah. this is how I, I, yeah this album is what I, she dreams about I think that she dreams more like sad boy Tom York than mad boy Stu McKenzie I don't know man I don't either but hey uh, another hero zoomer yeah she's not even zoomer she's like younger is, than she, that. is she younger than that it's like 10. No, she's like 16, I think. She looks 10. I don't know. Uh, she she looks like a child, but she's actually, I think, 16 or maybe even almost 17. If she's a teenager, then yeah, I guess she qualifies. I have no idea. But yes, very 2019 interesting moments with small children telling adults that they need to figure their shit out. Yeah, she's 16. Okay, thank God. That that's, makes me feel a, a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Well, yeah, I that I think that was my 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 probably will be possibly my favorite album of all time. Eventually, yeah. Sci-fi is you know slowly creeping into metal even more, and I think you know rock music has gone more metal within the past three years, and will probably keep going that way. And all that's super interesting to me, but. This album just encapsulated everything that I love. But I do have one more thing from 2019. My wife, Lauren, is pregnant. What? <laughs> no. Really? Really. Hell yes. Dude. <laughs> I, I take everything I said back. Babies <laughs> are my favorite thing of 2019. What if, what if, what if Grant the whole time was like, dude, I just really hate babies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but all of 2019, I've just been like, I just over I, it with the small things. I just see a pregnant woman, and I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, guys, I just hate babies, but I love 2019. Y'all are talking about a man right now that is podcasting on a table that has. A pair of Jordans for a toddler, and an animatronic plush elephant toy that plays hide and seek with its ears. Uh, 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 babies are absolutely the shit. They, uh, that that is twenty nine heroes for me, and I am so excited about y'all having one. That's crazy man. Yeah. I, so by the time that this comes out, we'll we'll have you know told more people and stuff, and um, yeah. Lauren's about seven weeks pregnant right now, so uh, I am I am thrilled. I'm losing my shit, man. I'm oh, yeah. so excited. It's been so hard not telling people we were been going to the doctor this week a bunch and stuff like that, and keeping this under wraps has been so challenging. And I just I'm over the moon, man. I don't really know what to say. I just I'm this is as excited as I get about anything. So I'm I'm floored. Wilton just pulled cotton candy out of his pocket. That's how excited he is. <laughs> I don't know if he's just getting ready or what. Wee! Wee! I don't know. Ever since I became a dad, I just keep finding cotton candy in my pocket. <laughs> Dude, Holton, your reflexes are about to get unreal. Oh, you're, that's true. We should start throwing things at him and see if he catches it. Not right now, probably. If Not you right can now. dodge a wrench, you can dodge a baby. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my biggest thing of 2019 is looking ahead at 2020 in general. And 2020, why? why? Has, what, nothing's gonna happen in 2020. Why? 2020 has to be about hope. Oh, yeah. Period for me and my life, and um, it it had to be like that in general even before this baby was gonna show up. But now that there's a baby on the way, I mean it. For me, when I look forward to the next decade of my life, I. I get a much clearer picture of, of a much different picture, really, despite it actually not being clear of mm. what life will be like. So here's to 2019 and the end of the decade, and here's to 2020. Lawnmower Dad Holton. Lawnmower Dad Holton! 2020, vote babies, vote Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yes! Yeah, Sanders 2020. Um, vote babies, vote Sanders. We don't have Grant a nickname, do we? The moniker. Uh, no, he's Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob? Grant Dr. Bob Stevens. 
that my rap, my my rap name is Geesty also. I'm a Geesty boy. Uh, wh- one more time. Geesty. Geesty. Yeah. G-sty. You got it. You're doing it. What the fuck is Geesty? It's my rap name. Geesty. I've always said mine is ibuprofen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so Bill Simmons' kid's rap name is Melatonin. So y'all are potentially kindred spirits. Uh, we have a friend whose name is Jake Wyatt, who voiced the character Willard Reed on the Acquaintances episode. Again, his name is Jake Wyatt. His uh, name is DJ Jake Wyatt. DJ, yeah. DJ Jake Wyatt. G-St, signing out. Okay, well, uh, so so are, are we doing a follow-up episode of decades or? Oh, fuck, I don't know. We, I mean, we we could, we could certainly try. Hell of a decade. It was a hell of a decade. How much are we just gonna end up talking about Obama though? Who? Oh, I'm I'm not gonna talk politics at all. Uh, all right. I'm ready. I, I, I'm ready to talk Mad Max Fury Road whenever y'all are ready. Uh, uh, we could just do a podcast about that. Yeah, we probably could. We could probably just do a separate one on that yeah. specifically. All right, to be continued. To be continued, indeed. To but thank continued. you for joining us, uh, Grant, Dr. Bob, Stephen. Just uh, another Matt. From just another Matt to Lawnmower Holton to uh, Baby Lawnmower Holton. Baby. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.